AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hi, and welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Uh, today on the show, we have Elias from Brighter.ai. Elias is the lead research scientist at Brighter. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, so Brighter AI are a startup, I suppose for people who might not be know too much about you, so, you know, mm-hmm. what do Brighter AI do? So <clears throat> what we do now is we mainly do um, anonymization of video and we do it with all kinds of AI models. Um, and so you can imagine um, we want to protect the privacy of identities that are subject in video. And we actually want to anonymize them by replacing their face. But we also do like we replace license plates um, and we try to generate like an artificial replacement that looks really natural. Um, and we like try to stitch it, blend it in there. And we do this automatically. And we hope that in this way we can actually change how people collect data. So with this privacy laws in action, um, you kind of have, uh, have to actually ask consent from every person that you collect data from. And this is very infeasible for some situations, like for instance, uh, recording data for self-driving cars. Um, and so what we do is we, I think, en- enable it back to do it because otherwise you have to ask every people, every person you have to ask, hey, can I have your consent? And then later on, they also have the right to request their data and right to delete the data or the right to be forgotten, as it's called in Europe. So you need to build up a whole infrastructure just to like um, manage that. Like if you have a submission for deletion, then yeah, you have to keep track of that, which is a huge... Can I ask, you know, who would your customers be? Ah, our customer is like, like we have now two, two main like customers. So we have one from automotive, like they do data collection with their fleet. And we have, on the other hand, we, we, we are kind of hitching up in retail because people want to, like that are retail, want to see how, what people are interested in if they are in a store, which racks they are looking at and, and, and where their eyes go. But they also have the privacy issue. Mm. So we just anonymize those people and everything is maintained, the eye gaze, the, the, the ethnicity, the age, um, some attributes are, are maintained. So look, what's your background? How did you get into machine learning? Yeah, that, I think that's a quite interesting story. So I, while I was like doing my PhD, I, I chose a topic with FPGAs and, and, and self-programming FPGAs, dynamic reconfiguration. Um, it's like a chip where you can have like um, accelerated performance, so you have a high performance, but you need to manually, like not manually, but you have tools to like uh, completely uh, parallelize your, your application. It's kind of like written hardware languages. And so we were part of like computer systems lab, which was like consists of a lot of teams. And one of those teams was like a reservoir labs. 
which was um, at that time uh, working on already machine learning um, and stuff like this. And actually when I started, just the ImageNet bomb hit. And <clears throat> I saw all my friends, like um, I had a quite good friends there and they all kind of <clears throat> really, really flourished in the work and wrote a big AI wave. They're also very good and they're now at all the major companies, like they are at DeepMind and everything. And I suddenly started to realize like, yeah, this is maybe something that's very interesting. I was always very interested by very like complex algorithms. Um, so that's why I actually did the, the CAD tools. So the, like the EDA it's called, it's electronic design automation. It's tools that are actually tackling NP-complete problems to kind of solve this. If you write something in, 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 a, in a program language, how do you get it on a chip? And there's a lot of like this very complex algorithms and I was always very interested by the smartness of it and, 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 and so of course I was attracted to that that big AI wave which yeah. was was at the time. I imagine it's pretty exciting as well you, you know you're sitting now with some guys who are now in deep mind it just really goes to show the quality of, uh, of the guys you were you were in college with you were in these labs with you know yeah. top top people yeah. it's, it's bound to get you excited to yeah. get you into the industry. And every year they did this uh, like Kaggle competition and every year they either won or second place. Um, and this was like even before, like this was like very early on. Um, A couple of grandmasters. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, and so like some guy did it on, like Sonder did like one on his own, he also won this one. This is like, this was really like, it was like, you, it's almost, yeah, it was very impressive, let's say like this. And so I, after my PhD, actually wanted, did some of those uh, Kaggle competitions and that's how I got into machine learning. Yeah. I did like um, the prediction of lung cancer based on CT scans six months before people effectively were diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, and that went very, very well. So, yeah. I've seen, seen a lot of stuff like that and a lot of time it's actually saving and helping doctors. Yes. Because they're taking the, essentially it's an admin function of a doctor. Yes. Uh, it's, it's similar to a labeling data of a data scientist. Yeah. If you can take that away from them to allow them to actually do their work, it, it's very powerful. Yeah. Uh, and w one thing as well that obviously working at Briar.ai is going to be very important to you anyway, but it's about, you know, privacy. Um, you mentioned the anonymizing all these people's data. Um, but like, how do you create deep learning and make, make sure that it's still ethical, that you know, your unsupervised learning isn't going too far? How do you control them and keep them ethical? So we are not doing like AGI or something, right? So these models that we do, we, 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 we actually mainly doing generative models. And we also have predictive models that have to predict the attributes that we actually want to retain. Anonymized. So we need to, if for instance, if we want to take your face, we need to predict a bunch of stuff about your face. And then we need to create a new face that has similar attributes, right? So we need to condition it on it. So these things are not like running out of hand or something. They will not like be the new AGI or something. I think there's no so, such danger because there's still, yeah, there are just still models that, that are doing just what they are supposed to do. So I don't think there is a danger there of them running out. No, we have to, however, like take a look at the data. Like for data, we have the same problem, right? So as everyone, so we have to be very careful about this track, like who's in the data set and everything. Um, yeah.
So it's one for me. Can you guys make me a virtual twin? <laughs> yes, we can actually take your face and then put it on, on all the other stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But that, that's also what now this whole like deep fakes yeah, yeah. is about, right? They, they, like, the problem is that we, if we see video, we see the persons for the first time. So we can some of the technologies that are used in deepfakes are really trained on. I would train on a bunch of pictures of you, yeah. and I train on a bunch of pictures of Obama, and then we replace your faces, right? But we can't do that because we see faces for the first time, and we need to anonymize them on the spot, right? So we need to do it in a different way. Yeah, it's supposed to be a real-time generated models. Yes, it is what we do now. What What's the challenges you had with? You, you know creating this what was the what was the deep learning like was there was there a moment where it was just really difficult and it was just like ah, i never that's it i never in my life believed that we would be real time i really it's really bad for to say as a leads <laughs> research well, you can, you're allowed to say it now yeah, but uh, i can't say it now <laughs> because it was just like we have so many models doing this prediction right? the thing is with models that predict all kinds of attributes if you do them all together they're typically worse than if you do individually. So if I make a model for the age, if I make a model for your gender, if I make a model to track your face points, like your landmarks, um, these models separately to fine tune them is already a big job. If you want to do it fast, you actually need to combine them, right? Okay. Because otherwise you have a lot of forward passes. And, and this stuff is not easy. It's, and we decided sometimes to not do it. Because it's so hard to control like the quality if you throw everything together. So we have just a bunch of these models and then a generative model and it all needs to run at the same time and in, in, in real time. This is like if you have a picture with 10, 20 people, then it's like it's not like one pass. It's like all those patches go through those models instantly and they need to go fast. Yeah, but it's also part of our, our work in the last months. We had to like really work on it to make it. We now are, I think, at 10 frames per second or something for full HD or something like this. Yeah, but yeah, I've actually I've seen it become a lot more now as well. So since we last met, I went and I done a lot of research into generative models. I seen how people were were generating landscapes off the back of a picture, and then they were like, okay, here's the picture. Now here's what. And it's just a landscape of what they've generated behind it, and it, it just looks so right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then the music is a is a really good one. I've actually I got a guy. He's coming to my next meetup. Uh, it's uh, Christian Behrens, the, the AI guru. He created a classical music sound generation model. He's going to bring that along. Yeah. He's going to do a demonstration with it. Yeah. Um, so we've been sharing that on LinkedIn, and he's actually in Berlin at that time luckily enough for me so we can we can bring them along yeah i think i think this is the two things that you mentioned are actually very nice like applications of generative this content crea creation and this like sound generation or music generation i think these are really 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 interesting but the thing is the application in it are a bit further away yeah I, we are now already have an application um that it actually uses this technology i think this is the big difference so the way you, you use generative models and you're looking to use them to build new classes. Yeah, so that's something like uh, I'm doing in my own research. Okay. So um, 
Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's something new. So what we typically generative models do right now is, so we have a data set with a bunch of classes and they, they kind of have, and what, what the, the goal is of the generative model that you're training is to just regenerate samples from those same classes, right? So that if you have like numbers, digits, like the MNIST data set, what a GAN or, or any other generative model that you train will do is will just regenerate a number between zero and nine, right? And so in my like new thing that I wanna, that I'm actually wanna write something about, we gonna actually create a new class. So you're gonna create a new digit. So you have 10 digits, then you wanna create a new character actually. So, and this is something different, right? Because the old generative models are like kind of like parrots, you know, yeah. they, they just repeat, they try to do it and they, they, they will do it in a different way a little bit. But still, they just do what was in the data set. Um, what I want to do is make a, generate a new class or make a new class. And we call it a mode generator because we have this phenomenon which is called mode collapse in generative adversarial networks, which is like um, that it just ignores classes. And when it's generating stuff, this is a common problem with generative adversarial networks. If you train them, it actually sometimes ignores small classes or whole classes because yeah, it's not trained to do that, it's just trained to do, make something realistic. So we call mode generator, and I think we can actually use it also for generating new identities. So if you, let's say you have a, a data set and they contain all kinds of faces of persons, how do you actually prevent that model from generating the same identity as it has in its data set? Because it's actually trained to do that. So to protect yourself against it, you can actually use a mode generator to create new identities. And how that actually was working internally is like um, it, it, what it actually tries to do is it tries to make this, this generates a new mode and this distance between that mode and the, the existing modes in your data set is, is being maximized. So you kind of get a, like a new different identity and you can create multiple identities like this. And this you can then lose at runtime because those are really identities that are not occurring in your data set. And I mean, look at that, that. Is this, you know, mode generator, is it specific to only, you know, recognizing faces? You, you're no, not a customer. Could you, if you had enough data, but not, not enough data to, to work with and, 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 you know, do some high quality work with, could you then create similar customers that aren't that customer? Yes. I think, I think that's the whole, it's a whole new way of thinking because it's also for like creativity and everything. You can create new classes of something. Um, it's it's more general applicable than just our creating new identities. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities of that, the access to data it would give companies who, uh, you know, I don't have enough data. It's like, well, look, here you go. Yeah. You've got 200,000 people. Here's 600,000 people that is now similar to these guys or do something different. Yeah. And then again, you can, as you said, you can build out classes on them and it's going to give you to a, to a, to a good estimation as to, as to what these guys are up to. Yeah. It's kind of, I think it's very interesting. It's something new, I think. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it. I'm doing research, like I'm looking at papers and everything. Um, and I don't find any work about it. So. Yeah, no, I've, like my experience of what I found is I know and I found of some companies who are actually 
creating false data yeah to work with but it's it's them creating it yeah it's not it's not hey let's let, 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 let's just put it into the machine here let that create us x amount of profiles very time consuming as well as you can imagine and to, to try and get a little bit of a result from and I think for most for a lot of companies I think normal uh, generative models that actually parroting what is in your training data set is fine enough I think for a lot of them that's what they actually want but I think you could go I think I can't conceive yet what we all can do with it yeah which is interesting okay cool. create it opens new yeah and so brighter.ai what what does the next year hold what is the next five year hold where, where is the company's vision um i think we we, we want to do like really identity protection like we want to do like we want to protect individuals um privacy through like technical innovation and we want to go i think we i don't down the line we want to go i think pretty far to like kind of also doing sound which we're not doing right now um we we, we really want to be the company that you go to to anonymize your data and I think it's kind of a very novel goal because you have all these um, companies having data breaches right now and everything and I think we want to be the antidote to do that um, and I think and, and we, we now got like a funding and we now are like hiring like if you want a job and you're good <laughs> you're, you're you just knock at our door you know um, contact Elias find yeah, him on LinkedIn yeah yeah <laughs> you, you'll yeah, we, we have some jobs um, but yeah we want to really be the company that kind of like protects your identity and privacy and makes tools to allow companies to still do what they do because data is still it provides so much applications yeah. right it's these privacy laws are something new and, and, and it really creates some like a problem and I think we can do both. We can both have the nice applications and be your privacy be protected in some way. So I'd done a podcast about six months ago with, with, with Fabian who's the founder of Rise of AI um, and he said that it's been the reason why China is so far ahead of the rest of the world is because look, their data is all public, everyone can use it. I don't know, that's, that, that's not completely true. Like if we as European people want to use data, data of Chinese people, we are subject to same privacy laws. Yeah, yeah. We have create. We have. It's called. I don't know. Just something like China's specification. No, I, I mean in terms of us actually having the same access to data yeah. that the Chinese have, and that's how they're able to create. Like there's there's more AI companies starting in China than there is anywhere else in yeah. the world. Yeah. And there's more investment in AI in China than there is anywhere else in the world. Is the reason because they've got more data that they can freely work with it within China? I think it, 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 it is some aspect to it. Um, it. It is a big market. It just is like how many people are living there. It's just... Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. But, uh, you know, being able to maybe have, you know, generative models, mode generators that can create data for you mm -hmm. to help you solve your business case like is there a chance is it gonna is it gonna help us i think yeah it does because like you have on the one hand you have china right where let's say that privacy is not the biggest concern there and then you have like kind of germany <laughs> where like the history was very showed a very good like cause for we need this privacy you know 
you have like the West Gestapo and, and uh, Stasi and everything. I think people here know like, yeah, we need privacy. This can go wrong sideways yeah. very fast. So I think this like, like this Germany is like a, like a beacon for like this kind of privacy. Like people don't pay with card here because they think it, they don't want the government to know. Yeah, I struggle this, with that. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> you struggle with that. So, so it's like two opposite ends. China is cash free and it's not even, no, it's not money. Yeah, it's WeChat, it's right? virtual wallets. Yeah. They do it pretty well. It's pretty. It's awesome, but there is, I think, some middle ground. Yeah. And and, and I think we can maybe provide a little more pr privacy, but still do the things that we want to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very very interesting to see this bipolar thing exist in the world. Like, on one hand, privacy, and on the other hand, no privacy. The cultures are way different. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah. Okay, there's one thing as well uh, I'd like you to mention as well. You also run a meetup. Uh, yes, we run a meetup and we specifically want to focus on generative vision. So we did last, this is like everything about generative models um, and, and we did last year I think four of them or something like this. And I think it's very interesting, very specific, um, it's very techy, so not nothing about the business side. Um, sorry for those people, but it's it's something we, we want to like build up this community because I think yeah um, it's a growing field and some companies in Berlin are actually working on it. Like Zalando, I know they are working on it. Um, there are other companies. I think TomTom is also. We have also one at TomTom. Um, the guy from Bayer as well. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he spoke at my my meetup at Bayer as well. And yeah, we would be very interested also to have him once. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a, like, I'm the business guy, but this one was just way over my head. Yeah. Um, but everyone who was there really enjoyed it. He was, he was like after it, he was, he was mobbed. Like there was just so many questions for him after. Uh, it was, it was, it was good to see such buy-in from people yeah. who came. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's an interesting field to be in, like this whole creating data, creating vision creating visual media. I think it's it has a big future uh, ahead of it. Nice, nice. Well, be sure to check out the, the meetup from Broida.ai. Uh, be sure to check out AI in action. But uh, in, in terms of the podcast today, I think that's, that's all the time we have. Uh, Elias, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. AI in action is brought to you by Aulus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldous offer an exec search program. Aldous can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldous advantage. Become a member of the Aldous community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.